Anyway, just kick it off. Welcome to Sequelitis. This is Manny. On this episode, I am joined by Paul. Uh, it's Melanson. It's Cajun French name. So welcome. So uh, you are involved in the film world. I got to know you because you actually created some music for us on a sketch I wrote with Alec Milewski for his channel, Mime Party. Give us give us the rundown. Tell us who you are. Yeah. So um, I'm film, TV, media composer been living in LA for a few years now just kind of working that grind uh, building my career there basically taking any cool project that'll have me because uh, I love music always loved music grew up uh, listening to a lot of video game scores a lot of film scores and that's just kind of informed who I am and what I'm all about so now if somebody wanted to go and find your work what's going to be the, the easiest way for them to, to find it Quickest way uh, is my website, uh, melancomusic.com, and I'll spell that, M-E-L-A-N-C-O-N, music.com. Okay. A bunch of random stuff on there you can listen to, and then all my contact information links to my socials and stuff. Okay. You got an IMDb, IMDb page yeah, and yeah. everything. All, all right. All linked up there. You can see some of the random stuff I had the pleasure of goofing around on, including like Lego Star Wars, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Awesome. So, so now what we're talking about here is just how um, film composers will use um, they'll they'll use the the score to inform the audience on you know the the way that they should be feeling given the presence of a certain character on screen or the 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 weight of the scene that's that's being presented to them. I know I'm, I'm starting you back over from from a point that you were getting into, but. As best as you can, pick up where you were, you were at. Yeah, well, um, just to boil it back down to what what a what a film composer is doing is they're they're trying to find some sort of thread that's already existent in the project, either you know, say like an emotion the actor is feeling, or something that is implied and not actually said, or even something completely left field. You're trying to find these little threads and draw them out um, and, you know, create music to that so that you're actually pushing the story forward, you're, you're pushing the uh, audience's emotions uh, to feel a certain way because, as you know, if you've ever watched like a horror movie with no music, you'll understand just how freakishly much the audio experience is to uh, the situation. Um, Well, I mean, if you were to take if you were to take the score away from Indiana Jones, um, you know, or or if you take the first the first uh, Superman film, mm -hmm. take the score out of that, um, it, it it changes it entirely. Oh yeah, um, just just um, taking these ideas, uh, you know, this thematic material uh, that could be used, um, so it's established in in a certain way. Like say say a theme comes in at a certain point in the film, um, based on what say based on what Indiana Jones is doing, he's he's running, escaping the temple, and you have this exhilarating music come through, and you're 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 subconsciously building these little musical building blocks in in the audience's ear, so that when it comes back later, they can kind of come back to those emotions. Um, You'll see it anytime. Anytime there's thematic material, think of like a Star Wars. Um, like anytime you hear like 
the Force theme, Luke's, Luke's, they, they show Luke looking out to the moons and, like, looking forward and the mystery of that. Yeah. And then it comes back later when he starts to feel mystery in the Force and the unknown and just kind of on moving onward. And you can, you end up building these palettes uh, of repeatable ideas that you can just kind of lace in throughout the film um, in repeating ways to kind of help push the story forward and inform the audience uh, based on things that they've heard before. Yeah, and it's, and it's another way in which you can sort of engross your audience members beyond just presenting visuals and dialogue. Now you've got this whole other element to where I feel like uh, as much, if not more so than, you know, visuals and dialogue, you can really tap into people's emotions and try and find a, a way to align what they're thinking and feeling with what the character is supposed to be thinking and feeling. Right. And that's that's something to where I think that's part of what makes movies movies and it makes them mm -hmm. such an incredible experience for people when they're done right is you take a lot of these different disparate parts you bring them together and I really feel that what makes so much of it cohesive is when you have a really good film score. Um, and, I mean, you, depending on what your personal preference is in music, uh, that's going to really inform like how well a score connects with you. But there's a reason why some of the greats are some of the greats. I mean, people love the works of John Williams. Um, a lot of people really love Danny Elfman. A lot of people really love Hans Zimmer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, I absolutely loved what uh, um, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor did with the score for the Social, uh, the Social Network. Network. Yeah. Like, and that is something to where, um, you know, that's such a huge part of the identity of that film um, for a lot of people. And I don't think it's to a detriment to the film. I think if you just had a standard run-of-the-mill score, mm -hmm. um, you know, someone just kind of like synthesizing you know, an orchestra for the score for that. It would still be a really good film, but it wouldn't get in as deep with people because you don't have that really solid cohesion that you get from that score. Yeah, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a really wide spectrum across. That's what's so exciting about music to me is that you can bring on you know one of hundreds of people to come and score your movie. You're gonna get a completely different experience, a completely different take and idea on that. Um, because they're going to be approaching it with their, you know, with their background, their experience, their musical knowledge, their musical tastes, um, and then trying to uh, trying to inform the film and let the film inform that and serve the film to where it's telling the story that it needs to be to be the best it can be. Um, and you're gonna you're really gonna see a wide spectrum. Uh, from composer to composer in their philosophies of that you know you get like a Howard Shore um, with his extremely thematic music of the Lord of the Rings versus boiling themes and the idea of themes down to just textures when you get to Hans Zimmer in like the in like the Batman uh, films the Christopher Nolan Batman films um, two completely different philosophies both totally acceptable and successful in how they how they drive the audience, how they uh, inform. I think about like um, like stepping in to score a Batman film. You know, there have been in, in the film world there have been what like four or five 
different composers trying to tackle kind of the same kind of the same idea. So you can see little threads of how they're informed by the past, but how they can bring their own approach to it as well. Um, the Danny Elfman style in the original Batman movies, it's a very, it's a, it's a much more musical, bouncy, uh, kind of quirky score. And then when you get to the Joel Schumacher movies, it's like to the extreme of that. Then when you get to Hans Zimmer, it's completely boiled down to utter simplicity. You know, the Batman theme, uh, to put it in quotes, in the Dark Knight series, is really two chords versus you know, an entire melodic motif in, you know, Batman Returns. Um, or like how they score the Joker in, in The Dark Knight. It, it, it gets to, he gets to the point where it's more about the production of the music and the textures he's building in the world uh, to kind of build these like gut-wrenching reactions out of you versus something, you know, a melody that sounds really sad or mysterious or something. Um, and that's what that's what that's what I really love about it. Is you can, uh, in music, you can just. It's it's kind of like you're a you're a puppet master of people's emotions almost, yeah. um, and and wh what kind of crazy thing can you think up to make somebody think about something a certain way? That's always just been a blast to me. Yeah, and and <clears throat> just sort of like because uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know. Being someone who who composes music uh, for for film, um, is that how important do you think it is that you sort of approach it with your own individual identity versus how much do you want to give way to um, you know the nature of the scene uh, of the scene and the themes of the film and and the the, the personality traits of the character and I, as I sort of kind of like listening to your answer. Um, or listening to to your explanation just now, um, it, that, that sort of shifted for me because it seems more like it's when you said you could you could get a hundred different composers and they're they're each going to have their own approach and and it's not necessarily that any of them are wrong. It's just that that's what what you know speaks to them and that's what they feel like is being should be expressed for this. And I feel like that's that's sort of like the way that you would approach something as an actor and say like here's this character here's this story here's the motivations for the character in this scene and this is how I'm going to express the words and the actions of the character in order to try and capture that in best the way that I think it should be done the difference being that even if you are the main character in the film you're not the only character in the film whereas when it comes to the music like as the composer you're you're the um, you're the brain that thinks all of the thoughts that are being heard by the people in the audience, right? And it can and it can totally spectrum uh, within the context of how the score is being utilized as well. Like sometimes it's the most effective to be completely silent, and other times it's more effective for the music to just completely take over and become almost a character in itself uh, to drive things forward. And and that could. Uh, you know, there's just so many, so many tools and and, and techniques. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's um, how can you make an emotional art that will drive uh, drive a viewer to think about something in a certain way and drive it 
towards kind of what the what the film's trying to say. Now, um, do do you have a preference whenever you're listening to a score that, or well, I, sh- I should say, in the context that you're sitting down to watch a film, do you enjoy it more when the um, when the score is kind of front and center and and more of a featured aspect of the film, or do you prefer it to be a little bit more in the background? Um, or does it really just kind of depend on, on what you're watching? It can what depend your on a lot of things. It can depend on you know, just like just like when you flip on your iPod, you can have a completely different mood when you when you step in to uh, consume something. Uh, generally, when I watch a film for the first time, I'm not going in with the intention of focusing on the score. Um, and if it sticks out to me, like if something's odd or sticks out or something's really attention grabbing. Um, then I'm just trying to think about um, how is it playing into the story, into the storytelling? Um, what is it doing right and wrong if it is something that sticks out to me? Or am I just flat out getting excited because that cue was freaking awesome or something? Yeah. Uh, well, and I can say that um, to, to go back to something that I referenced before. Um, when I did sit down to watch the social network, I had already I had already been like told beforehand, um, you know, the the score is freaking amazing. Like, mm-hmm. like there was buzz about that score before the film even came yeah. out. Um, whereas, like, I would have liked to have known like what it would have been like to go in and be completely like just surprised by the score. Which I actually was. I, I didn't I didn't research a lot into. I I, I knew. I knew that they were uh, taking on the project, um, but I didn't, you know, I, I, I generally don't research a lot into what someone's doing pregame. I just want to see what the product is and then analyze later. Yeah. Um, so the interesting thing about me is how well, uh, how well it musically tied everything in together and then later finding out that they were really just focusing on writing music that had uh, this emotional texture rather than they actually didn't even for the most part didn't even score it to the picture like a, you know like a traditional composer would so yeah. it's like they're making music this it kind of goes back to um uh the stranger things soundtrack recently it's kind of the same thing it's like this band is making cool retro sounding electronic music um and they're building like this library of sounds and then later they're being music ed- music edited into into the picture um, rather than it being you know expressly intentionally scored you know like James Horner or Jerry Goldsmith would do um, and you and like I said it's not a wrong way to do things uh, and it's successful sometimes not successful sometimes but somebody intentionally scoring something can have the same the same mistakes and the same successes uh, there's really no way to know what's going to hit so yeah. you're just going to get Every every composer is just going to bring their own experience and taste to everything, so the variety you get is just exciting. Um, yeah, I get I, I just get off on the on, on music. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Um, I can tell you, uh, for me, the experience that I, I wish I could have had with with Social Network, I actually did get to enjoy that. When I sat down and watched uh, Ex Machina, which have you ever okay. seen that? I have not watched it yet. It's on. It's on the list. Yeah, definitely. Don't don't go back and listen to our episode on it 
before you you see that film uh, because the less you know about it, the better yeah. it is. And I almost feel bad like like talking about the the score for it, but that was one of those things where it became as much a character of the film for me mm-hmm. as as anything else. Uh, to the point to where I went and I searched it out afterward. I I got a copy of it, um, and I'll just sit there and and just listen to it because. It does create these moments, and when you talk about like having emotional texture, it really does do that, and it does it in a way that, to me, I feel like really felt, uh, really fit the identity of the film right. and the themes of the film and what they're going for. And that's, I feel like that's got to be from a very simplistic uh, mindset. That's got to be one of the things that you're sort of hoping for whenever right. you do sit down, whether you're the composer or whether you're the producer, the director, the people that are involved with bringing this film to life. Well, it just comes down to the psychology of what we like as humans, you know. If the music you write in something informs you and makes you feel a certain way to the point where you want to go out and buy that soundtrack, then you're listening to this music, you know, months later, like the film doesn't even exist to you, but you're listening to this this musical score that's still rekindling some of these emotions and kind of driving your mindset uh, yeah so that that's cool when something can elevate and you know i've had that experience thousands of times in my life now which is kind of what led me to make this foolhardy attempt to try to do what i'm doing you know yeah and i i, I can say that um it, it creates one of those things where when it's done right um in the same way that you might go back and rewatch a film like you go back and rewatch The Dark Knight because you're just so enthralled by Heath Ledger's performance right. in that film. Um, you know, or you, you go back and you watch another film because you want to see this scene, like Independence Day, just to throw something mm-hmm. simple out there. Welcome to um, Earth. <laughs> you want to see Will Smith punch an alien exactly. in the face. So you go back and you watch it just for that. But it's, um, you know, they're... they're you know, Ex Machina is probably the best example I can think of of a film that I will go back and rewatch because now, like, what's sticking out to me is the music and how it fits into that scene and how it made everything feel for me and sort of engrossed me as I was watching it. Do you, do you have films like that for you to where like what draws you back in is is the music? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not, it's a constant study for me as well, but. At its base, you know, the reason I got excited to study it and got excited to go back and listen to, go back and rewatch all these films is like, you know, like I think back to like James Horner doing like Five Goes West. It's like a, it's like a, you know, I didn't have the con, because I'm watching this movie as a kid, I don't have the context of like the Magnificent Seven and all these other scores that informed that score, but it's just like this wonderful little world that uh, James Horner builds or, or like when he did. Just, just like the movie in our childhood, Jurassic Park, was one of my favorite films of all time. Um, brilliant thematic material that like everyone knows. Like you can hum, you can hum most of John Williams themes and be like, oh, that's from that, uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, you know. <laughs> like okay, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing dinosaurs in my head now. Um, it's powerful stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, for me. Uh... I watched I watched the good and the bad the ugly with with my dad so many times as a kid, mm-hmm. and that was something to where at a certain age like like things start to make an impression upon you and you don't realize them until later on in life, and you know that's 
that was probably like those times watching that film is probably one of the moments where um, you know it really started to strike me how like here here is how a a musical score like really does start to get into your head right you know because uh, Ennio Morricone was was one of the first composers that I went out I found his music from the film and then I discovered other music that he created and then I would just sit there and listen to it you know and I was somebody that you know I, I was I was a meathead growing up and like I listened to a lot of meathead stuff same. and a lot of like I have I have guilty pleasures the same way that anybody else does yeah. but oh, trust me I, I, I listen to the entire gamut and spectrum of all types of music from from you know the artsy stuff to the gangster rap stuff to terrible new metal from the early 2000s you know uh, oh yeah I, I, I got it all, I got it all in the bank and uh, <laughs> you know. I, well I have I used to I used to actually own a t-shirt a bootleg t-shirt that I got from um, uh, I went to Metallica's Summer Sanitarium and mm-hmm. then I also went to the um, fa- not the Family Values but um it was. It was. Maybe it was Family Values. It was Corn and Metallica yeah. and yeah, Kid yeah, Rock yeah. and. <laughs> so I actually like. There was a point in my life to where I was in into that, and like it's fun to go back and listen to it now from like a nostalgic standpoint. Right. Well, that was when I was twelve. So like Limp Biscuit would be on, or or our System of a Down would be on, and that that would be my jam because that was the jam of the time. Yeah. Um, but even like taking the little threads of. The interesting thing, the interesting things that those bands were doing versus, I, I really grew up. My dad was actually a rock DJ, so I, I have this. We have this huge record collection of classic rock, country, blues, soul records at home that we just grew up like listening to records. My dad was a drummer. My grandpa was a, a bluegrass musician, so he was a, a prolific songwriter. You know, hundreds of songs that we just kind of grew up around. So. We just couldn't really help but all be musicians. I have uh, I have three brothers. Two of them are still excellent musicians, and then I'm the only one foolhardy enough to actually be pursuing it as a profession. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here telling you it, it does have an effect on people, even on people that you know. I've I've had plenty of people write me off in life until they actually sit down and get to know me as just like oh that's just some some meathead. <laughs> um, and for the most part, yeah, I am. I'm 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 a meathead. I like you don't like come off as things. a meathead. Every, <laughs> every every conversation we've ever had, uh, I can see that you have a really great keen eye for storytelling, uh, you know, filmmaking, plot development, and, and and you bring a lot of really cool ideas to the table just off the top of your head, and that's exciting. Oh, thanks. And 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 I didn't even know you, but uh, when we when when I was first introduced to you. I was like scoring this hilarious little sketch about um, lawyers for ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were lawyers for people. That lawyers for people specializing that were, in suing ghosts. Yeah, and 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 I, I love the piece of music I wrote for that. And it was like, yeah, and then, oh man. Yeah, yeah, and that was something. I mean, like, like realistically, I mean, that that's something to where it, it brought a smile to my face. Um, if you want to see the sketch in question, it's it's mime party. It's a sketch called Ghost Lawyers. I really thought deep and hard about what the, the title for that sketch should be. Um, so you can find it and you can listen to, to Paul's work on that. Because I can remember just – that was one of those really cool moments to where um, when you sent over music and Alex said, hey, sit down, listen to this, tell me what you think. And then it was just like, 
oh, okay, yeah, I see what's happening here. <laughs> and then when we had the final piece of music put together with it, it's something to where if I try to watch it now without the music, it would be so weird and bizarre because it's like something's missing. There's, there's something right. that needs to be here. And that's that's a thing for me, and that's that's the reason why I'm here. That's the reason why you know I'm, I'm sitting down and talking to you and to everybody else about films and stories and trying to write my own is because mm -hmm. there there is something that's just endlessly fascinating about let's let's capture these moments in life let's put them together in a way that we can share them with other people and then just start to to filter in different reactions and and allow people to take this and have their own experience with it and carry it forward and carry it forward and it's something that as a species we've been doing for thousands of years it's just it's now getting to this point technologically to where you can get so engrossed in a film that you might as well be there mm -hmm. which is ironic because the original experience was you were right there and things were happening right in front of you right you know like shakespeare or something like going, going back to, to the ancient greeks and theater sure. in the round yeah. yeah you know so that's that's something that i i think that's another part of like what makes it so fascinating um you know and then other times it's a lot of fun to just watch you know someone who dresses up like a giant bat and just punches a bunch of you know bad guys in clown mask in the face until they fall down yeah exactly <laughs> it, it, it comes down to um what what the most interesting part about working in the entertainment industry for me is there are hundreds and thousands and thousands of people that all have their super specific nerdy passion and they all come together to make this great thing that's huger that's bigger than any one you know any the sum of any of its parts and uh, i don't know that's just what really gets i don't know gets my rocks off about this stuff it's, it's just so it's so the collaborative process is just so freaking fun man just to see what other people are coming up with how you can bounce your ideas off of them. Like I got some, of, I get some of my best musical ideas talking to directors who have no idea about music, and they're like, eh, "It's it needs to be a little more blue or something." And I'm like, "What? I would have never thought to make something more blue, but because you have your your complete background in history and everything that's informing you to drive something a certain way." How can I react to that and inform that and uh, find something to where we come together to make something that's even greater than what I would have just, like, jerked out in my bedroom, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Pardon my French. No, no. We, we, we swear on this podcast. Okay. Um, I, I did want to ask you about something because I think another thing that's interesting is, is trying to think about a film that maybe you wouldn't have watched, but it's... The, the music is, is what kind of drew you to it and, and maybe turned it into something more than it, it should have been. Um, but have you ever seen a film called uh, Ravenous? I have not seen Ravenous. Okay. Um, Ravenous, I remember, it's one of those weird things to where, um, you know, I used to have a set of VHS. Like when I, when I turned 16, 17, I got a, my own VHS player and started buying. That's, that's how old I am. I used to buy VHS players and, <laughs> and tapes. But, um, you know, they would always have the, the previews at the beginning of the film, yeah. you know, and, and now with DVDs, it goes straight to the menu and you can, you can just play the movie from there. But back then, you had to either try to fast forward through all the previews or you'd sit through and watch the previews. Ravenous was one of those previews that was on the front of a tape that I used to watch all the time. It might have been basketball. I don't remember what it sure. was. But um, 
years and years and years. Never watched that film. I just remember the trailer for it um, and just thinking like, this could be a good film, but nobody's ever said it's a good film, and I just never got around to watching it. And then uh, one day I just said, you know what, I'm going to watch this, and I put it on. And um, it really wasn't a good film, but the music for that film, and it was uh, it was um, uh, Damien Albarn and another musician that worked together on that film score. And man, if it wasn't for that, that score, I would have completely forgotten I'd ever seen that movie. Mm -hmm. But there was something about the score for that movie where like sometimes when I'm in a weird mood, I'll go and like find it and just play, you know, tracks from it because it creates, you know, it creates an atmosphere. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's something to me that is just fun about the filmmaking process that there can be things to where you can fall completely flat and almost fail in creating a film and then just you have this other part that magically works well. Right. There's tons of like redeeming qualities even in something that may as a whole not be as successful, but that's just that's just part of you don't know what's going to hit for one. But the other part of it is that there are so many like hands in the pot of people like throwing their passions into this. Something in so, something within something that you dislike could totally trigger something within you. Um, yeah. And music is something easy enough to where you can, you know, it's not like the sound design of a film. You're not going to go, like, listen to sound design for an hour on your iPod or something. Do, we, do, we, do people still have iPods? Um, but music is something that can exist outside of a film. So, Yeah, it can go on and create its own identity. I mean, because to me, really, like, when I listen to um, the, the Ravenous soundtrack, like... I picture a totally different story based on what I'm hearing in the mm -hmm. song versus like what was actually in the film. But then again, there are some scenes and, and it's it's a soundtrack that intends to be kind of like off-putting and, and right. make you feel a little uncomfortable because mm -hmm. it's, it's a movie about cannibals. Sure. Um, and it, it achieves that pretty well um, to a degree that I think like overcomes the failings of the film itself. But... Um, you know, like you said before, and, and I know that, that we, we've said it before, and a lot of people have said this, but it's truly a miracle whenever a film actually is good. Because mm -hmm. it's a lot of hard work just to get a movie made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of people that are outside of the industry, I, I feel like it seems like it's this kind of like A plus B plus C plus D, you know, process. And ideally it should be, but again, like... You're, you're talking about yeah. building essentially a property and a company from the ground up, mm -hmm. using people that, that worked on different projects, bringing everybody together. And some of these people don't even get to, to actually work together. Right. You know, you'll, you'll have a film editor who comes in after, you know, things have been shot, um, you know, sometimes completely separate from the project. Mm -hmm. And you can have the same thing with, with a composer. And I know there's a lot of projects where it starts with one composer, switches to a different composer... And they have to try and find a way to, to, to work things out. Right. And there's just tons of factors, you know, on a job like, you know, scheduling conflicts or, or you're not like certain things aren't working, like your ideas aren't necessarily fitting the film. So they bring someone else in or I think back to Spider-Man 3, for example, um, they were temping Spider-Man 3 with Danny Elfman's music and the music Danny Elfman was writing wasn't Danny Elfman enough so he walked off the project so they get Christopher Young to come in and do a wonderful job scoring the third film 
Um, there could just be an infinite number of factors that can, you know, inform where this thing is going. You know, you could have the, the best script in the world and still come out with a huge piece of shit uh, just because of certain things that are out of your hand. Maybe there are there are too many too many you know chiefs based on like the studio or your budget didn't necessarily get you to the point where. You, need, you could tell the story that you needed to visually or something. Just an infinite number of factors that can affect every little piece. So, I and, and, and then you think from like the consumer standpoint, none of those factors matter. All that matters is what did the project end up being. And a lot of times you're just going to get the reaction of what were they thinking? This is terrible. This is yeah. awful. So your career is over now, uh, regardless of you know the hundred things that went right versus the two things that kind of you know made that movie a flop. You know. Yeah. Well, and not only that, you 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 can have good films that still flop because of a bad marketing campaign right. or just there wasn't an audience there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think I think a good example of that recently was, uh, even though I haven't personally seen it, I keep you know seeing it on top ten list, uh, the Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan yeah. Gosling. And I, I finally sat down to watch it. It had a terrible marketing campaign. Nobody went and watched that movie. I loved that movie. It was awesome, um, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, go watch it. Um, and then we can talk about it, and hopefully they'll have a sequel because they did kind of. <laughs> no, but there won't be a sequel because it didn't make any money. But no, it, it's really great. Um, just the the quick, the quick little things that I really loved about it is they would take they would take these tropes and kind of turn them on their heads of like like ugh, a scene that sticks out to me. Um, there's actually a really good uh, every frame of painting on that movie, and I shouldn't even talk about it. Just go watch that. Okay. Uh, but there's 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 this opening scene where Ryan Gosling's character is trying to get a scoop, and the, the guy won't let him into let him into this building. So he comes back later to break in, but he tries to break in through the glass, and instead of like sleuthing through unlocking the door he actually accidentally cuts his wrist and ends up going directly to the hospital and completely fails so they take the he he takes these tropes and turns them on their heads in a lot of hilarious ways throughout the entire movie and it's just a blast i i love i i, I really enjoyed it yeah and what's disappointing to to me just as somebody who appreciates film uh not even as, as somebody who would love to be you know getting paid to be involved in the process um, just when you have stuff to where you do have good movies that that don't succeed or don't initially find their audience and right. kind of flounder around for years before right. people really discover them, and then there's other films that you know um, I know we keep picking on it, uh, but you know Suicide Squad is a film that is objectively terrible, and it's terrible on execution. It's it, it's terrible for a number of reasons that have little to do with the actual cast. Um, and you know that's a movie that still succeeded, and it, people it, said ahead of time, "This is a movie that's going to be bad. It's going to be a total mess," and it still succeeded. And you have other stuff to where there's a lot of thought, and, and yeah, it's almost the opposite end of the coin. That has a wonderful marketing campaign, and it's a genre that is currently something that has probably the hugest audience in film, which is kind of this this superhero world building genre, um, and 
just the the little fact like so, something like the nice guys which is kind of a throwback almost buddy cop movie it, the the kind of it, it's like the audiences are moving around and the, the the circles are constantly shifting um there's just not an audience for it right now yeah so yeah it's 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 definitely something to where if i was smart enough to figure out this is how you get something to work i i mm-hmm. i would like to think that i'd still be sitting down with with people that interest me and like talking about films with them but you know probably in a different setting maybe sure, a, sure. at a little bit higher elevation <laughs> <laughs> up in the hills um, well man i want to i want to thank you a lot for coming on and, and and talking uh talking to me about this it's been fascinating yeah man i nerd out about this stuff all the time and i can I can gab about it all day. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and kind of pick your brain at the same time. Um, yeah, looking forward to the next time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, once again, um, just, just tell people where they can find find your work. Yeah, you can find me at melantonmusic.com. Uh, M-E-L-A-N-C-O-N music.com. Uh there is, ironically, another Paul Melanson who makes music in Atlanta, Georgia. So I, I'm at odds with him right now because he has my .com. But just find me at Melanson Music. That's what I, that's how I brand myself across social media. Um, and you can listen to samples on my website and reach out and say hi. Yeah, and we'll we'll have a link up in the uh, whenever whenever you download this, you'll be able to find a, a link to your website on there and. We can go from there. So thank you very much, man. Thank you. Yeah. Good blast.